Welcome back to Women Living Courageously. We're a virtual women's ministry working in tandem with the ministries of Love We're Finding, and we're here to encourage you to laugh without fear of the future. I'm your host, Melanie Redd, and we are so glad you're here today. And listen, during the past few episodes, I've been sharing some wonderful reviews that people have been sharing, and I had someone reach out to me on Instagram, and she actually shared about the podcast, Maybe It's Time to Adjust Your Expectations, what she loved. Her name is Veronique on Instagram. She's Sweet Inspirations, and this is what she said, Love the podcast shared with many. Thank you, Veronique. We really appreciate you. And you can catch the episode that she was talking about in the show notes. I will share that. Maybe it's time to adjust your expectations. So if you want to listen to it, too, you can. And listen, let us know what you love about women living courageously and let us know what you're sharing. Your encouragement encourages us and helps the ministry to grow like crazy. So let's get started with today. I will tell you recently I was in Boonville, Mississippi. It's a little town about two hours south of where we live. And I got to share at the most wonderful women's conference. And so shout out to the ladies in Boonville. And they expressed so much encouragement after I shared that I wanted to share the devotion with you today that I shared with them. And so it's a lot of fun. I actually have a story to tell you, and I'm going to tell off on myself a little bit. We had one of those summers while you were at the beach or in the mountains or whatever you were doing. I spent my summer mostly at rehab places and hospitals. And um, my mother, the very first week of June, she took a fall. She bumped her head and had to have about eight stitches above one of her eyebrows. And as they were looking her over, they said, we don't think she's doing very well. Let's send her to the hospital. And so on June 6th, she went to the hospital and they checked to see what was going on. And they found that she had a brain bleed. And so they had to take her in real quickly and do surgery. And when she came out of surgery, she had a cut where they had cut open her head about six inches wide on her head. And she at first did very well and began to heal, and they felt like everything was going to be great, and so they sent her over to rehab. She was in the hospital about a week, and then she went to rehab for about a week, and at rehab, during one of her sessions of physical therapy, she had a relapse. She actually had a stroke, and so they said, we feel like she needs to go back to the hospital, so she went back to the hospital for another week, and then she got a little better, and they sent her back to rehab for about 10 days, and so if you're keeping count, that's about four weeks that she was in one of these places, and and let me just say while I'm thinking about it, thank you to doctors and nurses and medical people, because what y'all do is amazing. And after spending so much time in the hospital and in rehab with her, I'm so thankful for people who serve in the medical field. And so if you're one of those, thank you. Anyway, during this season, some other things were taking place. We discovered during the summer that my father had Parkinson's disease, and he had had it for a good while, and he wasn't feeling well. And also during this season, my only daughter got a job in another city, and she and my four-and-a-half-year-old Australian shepherd left. They had been with us all of COVID, (laughs) and they moved to another city several hours away to take this new job. And so it was quite a summer. It was not my favorite summer, I will tell you that. And in the midst of all this, all the crazy, all the hospital, all the moving, all the changes, I hopped on the computer on a Saturday morning. I remember it was in July. 
And I began to look at, I pay my bills online. And so I hopped on to check the bills, make sure everything was as it should be. I usually set those up several weeks in advance. And to my horror, (laughs) uh, there was a number on there I wasn't expecting. As I looked down the list, I thought, I've got to be wrong. So I refreshed the page, and I thought, something is wrong with this bill. I could not have written that amount for that bill. But I, I began to see it was in process. So that meant they had already sent this check that I had written wrong to the company that I owed. And um, I was just off by two decimal places. And I wish I could tell you that uh, the original bill was $666.16. And I wish I could tell you that I wrote it for $6.16. But unfortunately, I went the other direction and I wrote a check that was in process for $66,616. And there was no getting it back. So on that Saturday morning, I got on the phone with my bank and I begged and pleaded and they assured me they would put a stop payment on that check. And I actually went and paid the amount I owed my creditor on their app. And But I was distracted all day long. I don't think I relaxed all day. And about 4 o'clock that afternoon, I went and called the bank again just to make sure that they had put a stop payment on my check because it unnerved me to see that amount that might go out. And there was not $66,000 that would come out of my bank. And so on Monday morning, I knew that that's when the check was supposed to go through. So I called the company who was to receive this check. And I got on the phone with a lady named Terry who could not have been nicer. I mean, this was a 1866 number. This was not somebody that I knew, but she didn't laugh. No snarky comments. She didn't make me feel bad. Instead, Terry made notes and she said, we'll take care of this, Mrs. Red. And I'll even call you tomorrow morning to let you know when this goes through tonight night that it didn't take any funds from your account, that everything is okay. And I want you to know, Terry called me Tuesday morning to tell me everything was okay. They had stopped payment. I was good. I didn't owe them anything. And they would send the check back to me. And then I'll tell you, I just had to go on with life, trusting that the bank and this company would take care of things and deal with things fairly. Now, I'll tell you this story because in my exhaustion, I blew it. I was exhausted, I was fatigued, I was stressed, and somewhere in there I'd hopped on the computer and written a wrong number. And I realized that I needed some help. I needed some rest. (laughs) And in my honesty and cries for help, I found peace and resolution. And you know, I think all of us have seasons where our exhaustion gets the best of us. Maybe you do. We've had enough and we start making mistakes. We grow weary, we run out of steam, we know that we've had enough. And so I want to share with you what I've done and what I believe the Bible teaches us to do when we're weary and we need rest. And the chapter that I've chosen is 1 Samuel chapter 1, one of my favorite Bible stories about a woman that was having a hard time. Her name is Hannah, and she's one of my favorite Bible characters because I just love her honesty and her example. And so I want us just in these few minutes to take a look at her story and make some applications from what she did when she had had enough. So let me set the scene. First of all, Hannah and her family are traveling to worship. They're going to church. We read that in 1 Samuel 1, 3. We also find in this story, she's a woman that lived during a really difficult time. She was a real person that lived during a real season of time before there was running water, electricity, air conditioning, or dishwasher. She had no appliances. And so as we begin the story of Hannah, we see this as a woman that's living in a challenging season, and she's on her way to church with her family. Second, we see that she's in a hard situation. 
Let me read just a couple of verses to set this up for you. If you read in 1 Samuel 1, verse 2, it says Elkanah, that's Hannah's husband, had two wives, Hannah and Penina. In the original Hebrew, that means that he had two wives at the same time. I looked this up in a commentary, the Adam Clark commentary, and it was interesting to read what he said. He said, the custom of those times permitted polygamy, but wherever there was more than one wife, we find that the peace of the family was greatly disturbed by it. Now, listen, we as women don't have to read a commentary to know that two women and one man usually spells trouble. And if you think about it, Hannah lived her life sharing her man with another woman. Their tents were probably separated, but they had to share the well and the food and the husband. Now, I'm not sure what Penina and Hannah and Elkanah did, but maybe they had a schedule at the well or some way Elkanah had Monday, Wednesday, Friday with one and Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday with the other. We aren't sure how they did all this. It had to be a delicate balance. And there was nothing easy about the situation. So year after year, this went on. It was a daily situation. It couldn't be fixed. Hannah was stuck. And there was absolutely nothing that she could do about it. You know, she was a woman in a hard situation. And maybe you can relate to this today. Some of you are dealing with something very hard in your life right now. Maybe it's a divorce, a blended family, a difficult boss, a hard church situation. Maybe the loss of a spouse or a wayward child. Are you caring for elderly parents? Hard situations can steal our rest. Let me share another thing that Hannah dealt with. This is third. She had physical hurt. We find in 1 Samuel, as we read about her, in verse 2 of 1 Samuel 1, it said, Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. And then we read in verse 5, the end of the verse, it says, The Lord had given her no children. Hannah was barren. She was unable to have a child. And for years, she had been trying to have a baby. And in those days, there were no procedures. There was no way to make a baby happen. There was nothing she could go through that would bring her a child. You know, today, women will go to great lengths to have a child or to adopt a child. And it's a huge desire that God has placed in the hearts of women to have children. But that may not be your biggest issue today. You know, for most of us, it's not. But you may have another hurt. You may have another physical hurt that you're dealing with today that just beats you down. It could be cancer. It could be a chronic illness. It could be you want to lose weight and you had not been able to and you're so discouraged. You know, hurt can steal our rest. There's a fourth part of Hannah's story that I think most of us can relate to today. Hannah had to deal with mean. <laughs> there was a mean person in her life. Let me read to you about the mean person. If you look in 1 Samuel 1, verses 6 and 7, it says, So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Now, probably during the week and when they weren't traveling together on a road trip, Hannah could avoid Penina. They probably went to the well at different times. They probably were around their husband at different times. But their town was too small to have a temple. And so they had to go to the tabernacle in another town. And this meant a yearly road trip with Penina, Elkanah, and all Penina's kids. It wasn't enough that Hannah was barren. To add to that, she had a woman who was mean to her and kept her upset. It was like yearly torture that she had to go through. Penina provoked her year after year. And you may say, why? 
I can give you the oldest reason in the book. She was jealous. We're told in this scripture that Elkanah loved Hannah. We're never told that Elkanah loved Penina. Now, let me insert here that if you read about tradition, especially in the Old Testament, often a man would take a second or third or fourth wife because she needed him financially. She might be a cousin. She might be a friend. It might be someone that didn't have a man to cover her. And in those days, a woman needed the cover of a relative or a husband. And so it's possible Penina came into the family second and Hannah may have been first. We don't know. But we know that Elkanah loved Hannah more. You know, when you think about who's mean in your life, yeah, there's some mean men out there. But, you know, for most of us as women, our mean has come from another woman. (laughs) Have you found that to be true? We girls just are sometimes mean. I think about my mom in her 80s and my daughter in her 20s. They deal with mean. Each one of us has said or done something that's mean in our lives. I know I have. And I think every one of us as girls has been on the receiving end of mean Meanness can cause us not to rest. Let me share another thing about this story, and it's a fifth thing, and it's this. Hannah's husband was clueless. I love how the Bible includes very practical aspects of a story. And so let me share this with you, what he said to her when this crying would happen year after year. And maybe he said this every year, but this is just a great line, and I love that it's in this passage. Elkanah would say, Hannah, why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than 10 sons? Now, I'm not being mean to men, but only a man could say this. I read that Elkanah was a very happy-go-lucky guy, and he just didn't seem to understand what Hannah was going through. He couldn't comfort her or get the sense of what was really happening. I believe Penina was probably mean when he wasn't within earshot. I believe she picked on Hannah when Elkanah was somewhere else, and Hannah would get upset, and he wouldn't understand why. And, you know, it must have added to her pain because it was like no one could understand what she was feeling every year when they made this trip. One of my favorite Christian counselors is in heaven now. His name's Gary Smalley. But he shared this, and I think it's such a good quote. He said, people want to be understood, especially women. We want to know that someone gets what we're going through and can relate to our pain. Is there someone who just doesn't get you right now? Someone who doesn't understand? It can be so challenging when we feel like no one really understands. Not being heard and not being understood can steal our rest. There's a final thing we see about Hannah, and it's Hannah's confusion. As we get to this point in the story, we see that she has had enough. And if you read 1 Samuel 1, 9, it says, Once, after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Hannah stood up from the table, and you say, well, what's that such a big deal about? Well, in these customs, the Jewish people would lay around and eat for hours, is what I've read, and they would sort of lounge. They didn't sit at a table with chairs. They would sort of lounge and eat, and this eating could go on for a long time. And so Elkanah and Hannah and Penina and all of Penina's kids are at this place eating, and Hannah actually stands up. She can't take it anymore. She had to get out of there. Maybe you've been there where you've just had to get out of a place. You've stood up because you don't know what to do anymore. You're ready for God to heal and touch and mend your broken heart. You may be there today and you say, I've had enough. I need rest. So I have good news for you. Let's make it really practical. What did Hannah do with her hurt and bitterness and anger and her sorrow? How did she handle 
what was breaking her world apart. I want to make this really practical. I want to give you just three simple steps that Hannah took that I believe we all can take today. If you are at a place where you have lost your rest, you've lost your peace, you're discouraged, you've lost your hope, and you're standing up at the table, here's good news for you. Let's make this really practical. First, the first thing Hannah did is she admitted that she was mad and hurt and upset. In verse 10, it says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. Basically, Hannah got up, she went to the tabernacle, and she began to cry and pray. She admitted she wasn't doing well. She left the meal and went to find help at the temple. She admitted that she was upset and owned up to her feelings and didn't pretend everything was okay. It was like she couldn't hold it in any longer. If you talk to anyone who's been through a recovery program or weight loss program, one of the very first steps, usually the very first step is this. You have to admit you have a problem. That is the case spiritually, too. Often we have to get to the place where we say, I'm not doing well. And I think this is hard for us in the church. It just doesn't sound very spiritual. But I think probably someone listening today would say, you know, I'm not doing well. Will you admit and own up to the fact that you have an issue in your life that God wants to deal with? Are you hurting? Will you admit that now? Can I share this with you? God already knows. And probably a lot of the people around you do as well. When I finally in my life get honest about how I'm doing, things improve. I've just found when there's no more secrets, we get better. When we finally say it out loud, it doesn't seem to trap us anymore. Growing up, my pastor was Adrian Rogers, and I heard him say this on more than one occasion. He said, What we uncover, God covers, but what we cover, God will uncover. Let me say that again. What we uncover, God covers, but what we cover, God will uncover. In other words, if we'll admit and be honest and share our hearts with the Lord, he will cover things up. But if we keep it down like a volleyball under the water, when it finally comes out, it's going to come out with a bang. So here's the first encouragement. Admit you're not doing well. Tell the Lord and maybe tell someone else that you trust. That's what Hannah did. Let me share a second thing she did. Hannah poured out her heart to the Lord. And I want to read you her prayer because it's powerful. It says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought, she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded, throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Now, this wasn't some little simple prayer. This was a prayer that had a lot of emotion to it. Listen to the words, bitterness of soul, much weeping, misery. Eli thought she was drunk. She was deeply troubled, pouring out her soul, praying with great anguish and grief. Have you ever prayed this way? You know, one of the things that we have to do is after we admit we're upset, we need to take all the junk inside of us and pour it out to the Lord. We take it to him and we lay it down. Psalm 62, 8 says this, pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge. Now, I have a great story for you here that I want to share. I was on staff at a local church years ago, and I was the women's ministry director, and I got, at the time, a lot of phone calls. And I remember one day I was out at the ball fields, and we had this great ballpark where the kids played soccer and baseball, and 
my phone rang and I recognized the name. And so I clicked to, to answer. And from the moment that I clicked over, all I could hear was loud crying. And so I, I knew who it was. And I said, let me let me go somewhere else. Let me get away from the group because I was kind of around a lot of people. And so I went and sat on the back of my old Ford Explorer. And I said, OK, let's talk. And I, I want to tell you, I could not understand much of what this woman shared. I knew who it was and I knew it that she was going through something hard. But she was so upset that all I could hear is every once in a while between... <gasps> I'd hear husband or I'd hear marriage. And she just sobbed for quite a while. And I just said, mm-hmm, huh? And I began to pray. And she, as I listened to her cry, it finally she began to sort of take breaths. You know how we do when we cry? We begin to kind of, and she sort of take those little breaths and she calmed down. And then she said in a voice I could very clearly understand, she said, I'm having a hard time in my marriage. And in that moment of quiet, I remember sitting on that bumper And I just said to her, I said, you know, I can encourage you, give you scripture, and I can pray for you, but I only know of one place for you to go with this hurt. And I said, you need to go in your closet by yourself and get on your face and cry out to God. And so I prayed for her, and we got off the phone, and she did that. She told me later it was like cleansing for her to get on her face and just tell God all about it. That's my advice for you as well today. I can pray for you. I can offer you hope. I can share scripture, but I cannot fix your problem. Only Almighty God can do that. And that's what we have to do. We have to take our issues and our hurts and our pain and go to him to find rest. So that's what Hannah did. And that's what you and I have to do as well. There's one last part to the story. And I love this. This is the positive part. She admitted she had a problem. She poured it out to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then third, she got up and she went on living. This is, if you've heard this story, you know this part. But in verse 17 of chapter 1 in 1 Samuel, this is what we find. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she explained. And then listen to this. She went back and began to eat again and was no longer sad. Hannah got up and went on living. She left the temple. She went and got some food because she was hungry by now. And it says, the Bible says her face was no longer sad because she had laid her burden down. Now, listen, the Bible tells us she was able to go on and have a child. In fact, several children we read. But I think she would have been okay because she had learned what to do with her pain and her hurt and where to find her rest. She had learned to take the grief and the meanness and the hurts and the cluelessness of life And she had learned to take them to the Lord and give them over and let him restore her heart. She went on with her life, and you and I can too. No matter what is going on in our lives, there is always hope. So let me make this very Southern practical. If I can, at the beginning of the story, I told you about my bank disaster. And so I had to admit there was a problem. In the South, we say I had to fess up. (laughs) Then I had to get some help. I had to get it out and pour it out to all those customer service people so that I could get some help. And then I had to get up and keep on living. I had to go on. I had to get up, as we say, wash my face and keep moving forward. And you know what? The same is true for you and for me and anything in life. We have to fess up when we're struggling. We have to tell God and maybe a few trusted friends and then pour out our hearts in prayer and let God know what's really going on. He knows, but somehow telling him is healing. And then we get up and we keep going. Now, listen, there's a rest of the story that I have to share from my crazy check incident. I got a notice about two weeks after all this happened that um, that the stop check had happened and I did not get charged one penny. Where it said there was a $30 fee, I got a zero there. So someone showed me grace in the middle of that. And then 
I got the check back in the mail a couple weeks later. I have it in my hand. (laughs) And I keep it with me, and I'll tell you why. Because it reminds me, when we get too busy and too rushed and too stressed, we start making mistakes and things start going haywire. And it reminds me that I need to rest too. Listen, I don't know where you are or what you're dealing with today, but I have this great encouragement for you. And this comes from Matthew 11. And the message puts it this way. This is verses 28 through 30. I love this part of the translation. It says this, are you tired, worn worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. And that's my prayer for all of us today. May we come to Jesus and allow him to give us rest. May we admit we're struggling, and then may we pour out our hearts and allow him to take care of all that's broken and hurting and challenging. And then may we get up and go on with our lives. As we close today, I'd like to tell you about a new devotional that's available on our website. It's called Just Rest, and it's a 90-day journey to peace, hope, and renewed faith. As you read, you'll be encouraged to give up your struggles and your fears and your anxieties and to find God's peace and hope for your life. You can find out more about the devotional on the website. The link is in the show notes. Also, if you were encouraged, we would love to hear from you. Some of you have written to me, and I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways you can reach us. First, you can leave a comment on our website or on our blog. You can just write a comment, and I'll, I'll respond to your comment. You can also send us an email. I get emails all the time, and my email address is in the show notes. You can also send us a note on social media or Facebook, on Facebook or Instagram. We always like to hear from you, and so shoot me a note. I would love to hear from you. Also, if this has blessed you, share it with your friends. Right now, take that link and go say somebody I know and care about needs to hear this program. Send them the link to this episode. Also, I want to encourage you to check out another podcast that I shared recently. It's called How to Discover Greater Courage as You Walk Through Dark Seasons of Life. It's possible some of you are dealing with a really dark season. Don't go through it alone. Look for the link to this podcast episode in the show notes. I believe it will encourage you. Thank you for joining us today. We're so blessed and honored that you would take the time to listen. Remember, we're ordinary women, but we are pursuing an extraordinary God. And he deeply cares about what troubles you.